and welcome back to Grit I'm Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by the entire collective, the disciple, Brett Colson, Donnie, D.P. Peters, and the resident moose himself, Mo Nuwara. It's a DFS Thursday, which means we will be getting you ready for your DraftKings slates, your GPPs, some cash games, and we'll even sprinkle in Sprinkle in a little season-long tidbits, a few season-long tidbits as well as we gear up for the fantasy playoffs, which are right around the corner. Before we get to any fantasy football, however, I want to remind you, boys and girls, that you can compete in our raffle for some great prizes. All you have to do is send one pick against the Super Contest spread to us via social media or via email. You can tweet at us at GridironGamble. You can follow, find us on Facebook by just searching for GridironGamble or, again, email GridironGamblePodcast at gmail.com. All you have to do is send us a pick against the Super super Contest lines. And you can find those lines over on GridironGamble.com. So if you like the Thursday game, if you want to take the seven points with Tennessee or lay the touchdown with Pittsburgh, you would just tweet at us and say, Pittsburgh minus seven. You get it right? You're in the raffle, and you could win some awesome prizes like a Blake Bortles jersey. And who doesn't want a Blake Bortles jersey? This is Blake week, too. There was a lot of Blake Bortles chatter in the Skype chat, and uh, I, I'm guessing we will hear his name given his matchup this week against the Browns. Uh, also, real quick, I just want to say that uh, Jonathan Stewart is the greatest running back to ever touch a football. Destroyed value against Destroyed the Miami Dolphins. Value. Yes, plowed through his value. Legend. Legend of the game, Brett. That was his absolute ceiling, and he barely reached out. <laughs> it did take. It took every touch. It took every carry for him to get there, but he made it. Mo is back with us. Mo, how you doing? Are, are are you in Omaha? Where are you at in the great, not even United States, in the great world, the great universe? Where are you coming to us from? Mo is back from a couch in Omaha. Yes, excellent. Back, back, uh, thirty minutes away from every major city in the United States. In it's so Omaha. convenient. Bore definitely not thirty minutes away from anything of note. <laughs> R.I.P. Boar. Looking at the implied team totals, which is the first thing we do every week here, gives us a sense of how many points Vegas projects each team to score. And no team is projected to score more points than Donnie's New England Patriots, who travel to Mexico City, Viva la Mexico, to play the Oakland Raiders at altitude. And the Patriots are projected to score 30 points in that game, they are followed by another elite quarterback, Drew Brees and company. They play host to the Washington Racial Slurs. They're touchdown favorites. Sometimes you'll get the hook if you're lucky. And they're projected to get 29.25 points. And then it is a big road favorite coming off the bye. Andy Reid, the legend, Alex Smith. They're projected to score 27.75. The Chiefs are against the Giants in the Meadowlands. So it's the Patriots, the Saints, and the Chiefs with the highest implied team totals. And now I will hand it off to the GOAT, 
Bert Minotti, who was a Devonta Freeman concussion away from having some really fun sweats last week, thanks to C.J. Bethard, who you heard about on this podcast. Let's bounce back, process over results, Bert Minotti, and let's kick the process up again. Week 11, who are your stacks, sir? Well, I talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick last week, too. Uh, fortunately, I pivoted a lot of my shares of Fitzpatrick over to Bethard because of the weather concerns in Tampa. But I'm going right back to Ryan Fitzpatrick this week. Uh, I think this is a great spot to go right back to this offense. I mean, Fitzpatrick coming off a bit of a stinker. So people are going to be less confident to click on him this week, especially with the, the $400 price increase on DraftKings. But he's got a better matchup here against the, the Miami Dolphins, who are pitiful against the pass, as we saw on Monday night. The Dolphins coming off a short week. And the weather conditions are looking much better in Miami than they were in Tampa last week. And plus, Fitz gets his number one weapon back in Mike Evans this week who just spent a week uh, suspended and didn't play. He's going to be hungry. This stack should shred the Dolphins this week. Uh, Fitzpatrick, 10% owned in the Millie Maker last week. He's projected at around 3% by Fantasy Labs this week. These are the spots we dream about. So I'm going to be loading up on Ryan Fitzpatrick and Mike Evans. I'm going to throw some Cameron Bray. In there as well, coming off a poor game. He was super popular last week and did nothing. Uh, so I, I really like this Tampa Bay offense. And then the game with the highest total of the week is, of course, New England and Oakland. I try to stay away from these games, but these are two of the three worst pass defenses in the NFL. This game opened at 50 for the total. It's already up to 53 and a half. There is value in this game and it would be unwise just to fade it. Uh, as far as stacking, I think Brady's fine, of course, but he's going to be popular. So I'd rather get my quarterback exposure in this game through Derek Carr coming off a bye in negative game script. He's thrown for 300-plus yards in three straight games, and he's reasonably priced at 6400 I love the spot for him this week with either Cooper or Crabtree or both. I think a double stack is fine against the Patriots' pitiful pass defense. Uh, the targets are going to be there for both these guys. And if you roll with that Oakland stack, you're going to want some pieces of the Patriots in there as well because this could be a shootout. So sprinkling some Gronk, Burkhead, who's super cheap. James White is underpriced, I think, this week. The Raiders can't defend any position on the football field, so the points are going to be there. Uh, it's just a guessing game where the Patriots uh, offense is going to come from. So I uh, love an Oakland stack with some pieces of the Patriots in there as well. Big fan of the Fitz magic stack to start things off. The powder keg could not have looked worse. I mean, he didn't have the multiple turnover game, which we've seen from him previously, but in a rain soaked, disgusting game where the bucks only get to 15 points. And as you said, ownership was already low. I can only imagine that that 3%, it could be, I mean, it, it could, it can't, it's hard to get lower than that, but th that's just a great sweet spot. And that Miami defense, it's not getting any better, folks. 31st in pass defense, DVOA performing 44% worse than the mean, which is just, I guess it is measurable because I just measured it, but it is just it's so bad. And it was just a great uh, bounce back opportunity for Carolina, who Mo was railing against for having a bad offense. And he still might believe that because of how poorly... Uh, Miami played. And then that, that Patriots-Raiders game. I'm interested to see if any of the other hosts weigh in on this. I, I agree. If I'm going to get exposure in a chalky matchup like that, I'd prefer to be on the Raiders' side. And an interesting note that I, I just remember from last year, 
when the Raiders played the Texans in Mexico City, I remember, I distinctly remember the field being horrifyingly bad, like really slippery, guys not getting any traction. So I think that also plays into Oakland a little bit more because they have less of the precise style of offense where it's quick throws, it's precise routes where people are cutting and uh, moving laterally, and there's more verticality to that Oakland attack attack which could lead to corner slipping and less uh, uh less of a need for really precise throwing from the quarterback to the receiver so I think it might favor Oakland a little bit yeah especially Amari Cooper who does run some sharp routes so it could be a big day for him all right DP you're up next give us some stacks kid well first off I'm a Latiza. Yo soy motherfucking fiesta, baby. I am going to be all over Brady and Gronkowski this week. It's my favorite stack. I don't care how much chalk I'm eating. If you need to know what amalatiza means, that means I love chalk. This week, I love a lot of chalk. Uh, just bear with me for these other stacks because this is a really weird week where I liked a lot of stuff. Let me just rip through it quickly, and if you guys want to hit on anything, we can talk about it. I like the Giants passing attack this week. Um, again, like last week, Eli Manning, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, uh, Chiefs a little bit suspect in the uh, passing defense side of things, and the Giants should be playing from behind. Um, so I, I would look to them to hopefully put up good numbers on a you know a side of the the, the field that I don't think a lot of people are going to be on. Uh, Rich, you hit on it at the top of the show. Blake Bortles, Marquise Lee, I love them this week, and I could even see you sprinkling in a little bit of Keelan Cole if you want to get really devilish. Keelan um, Cole, we got a Keelan Cole tout. We got a Keelan Cole tout. Yes, we do. I mean, listen, Alan Hearns is out. Ball's got to go somewhere other than Lee. So, I mean, I really like Blake Bortles and Marquise Lee. I think that Doug Marone, this is the game. If he ever wanted to let Blake Bortles loose and just kind of give the player a little bit of fun, it's this week against the Browns. But I don't think there's really any risk of the Jaguars losing to the Browns. Uh, Brett hit on Tampa Bay. I kind of like the other side of the ball. Jay Cutler and the Dolphins passing attack. Uh, I think that they could go for a big game here against a Tampa Bay defense that I don't think is that good um, if you watch them in terms of the eye test. And they're also ranked 28th in pass defense DVOA. Um, and I, I don't think that a lot of people are going to be clicking uh, Jay Cutler, uh, Demonte Parker, Jarvis Landry, sprinkling a little bit of Kenny Stills if you want there. Um, Rich, you like to get weird. How about Blaine Gabbert and Larry Fitzgerald? Uh, I mean, Drew Stan's been injured. He's doubtful uh, this week. He's been limited in practice. Blaine Gabbert isn't that good, uh, but um, he's only 4,900, and I think that if he's going to be throwing the ball at all, it's going to be going to a security blanket because that's what uh, very green QBs that don't have a lot of experience uh, love to do, and Larry Fitzgerald is that guy at 6,900, and I think that the fact that playing Gabbert could be playing QB is going to deter people from clicking on Larry Fitzgerald. So I like to sprinkle in a little bit of Blaine Gabbert and Larry Fitzgerald across my lineups. Good Lord. That was a lot, that a lot was... of stuff going on. I kept, I kept looking through and I was like, man, I like a lot of different stuff this week. So I, I don't think I'm going to focus on one thing. This is going to be a week where I'm going to kind of be bouncing around with a lot of different things. So I, w I was going to mention Blaine Gabbert, but more of a, as a naked option, uh, because of his rushing, you know, this cr crazy enough, Blaine Gabbert. You don't, uh, I don't think people out there are going to think Blaine Gabbert and then think of rushing. But he, when the pocket breaks, he's actually fairly athletic and can get out and can get you some of those extra points. And against a Houston defense that is not good at all, I think Blaine Gabbert is a fine 
naked option. I, I just don't know who to stack him with in that offense. They're so inconsistent in the passing game as to whom they're targeting that I, I think I would prefer a naked stack. Uh, r- real quick on the uh, the Keelan Cole. Uh, Mr. Godwin, Chris Godwin, 5 for 68 last week, did not get uh, that 100 yards or touchdown that I was hoping for. But 11.8 points, not too bad for Super Devil. So That was a good call. I like that call. I will, good job. I will pat myself on the back there. Hopefully not too hard as to break it. Mo, can you top something Cole? Is that a thing that's going to happen? I must be the opposite of Donnie, <laughs> as usual. Because uh, where he must see value everywhere, apparently. I didn't see that much that I loved. I did like the... Uh, I also like the fits, the powder. I like the powder with Mike Evans here. I'm a little worried that's sort of obvious, but uh, I mean, Evans at least should be popular at that price, I'm guessing. But another one that I really like that hopefully is a little under the radar, it's the slurs. Probably the stack I've talked about maybe the most on this podcast because when I was actually around, Cousins and Chris Thompson were crushing. And I think Cousins and Chris Thompson could crush again this week. Uh, Facing New Orleans, uh, especially when you look at Thompson, 5400 the price is far, far too cheap in a spot where they don't have Fat Rob. They're likely to be down. Cousins could be dumping off a ton in this game. Uh, Thompson, 15-plus DK points for in uh, six of the first seven weeks. Hype's died down a little bit recently, but this could be a 10-catch day for him. And then you look at Cousins. I mean, he's pretty reasonably priced. It's not the best spot against the uh, what what should we call it? the rejuvenated New Orleans defense um, on a rate basis, anyways. But he should at least be able to get there on pure volume here. I feel. Uh, and then another really good spot in this one is Jameson Crowder. Man, he's forty three hundred. That's just completely insane. Uh, he's been absolute target monster the last couple weeks. Eleven and thirteen targets the last two. This is a triple stack that will basically cost you, I don't think you can call it pennies, but let's call it quarters. It'll cost you quarters. I'm scared. You, you, you know how much I'm swooning over the Saints defense. Crowder is the best value of the week at any position. Yeah, that I love. The 4,100. Yeah. Well, what's, what's happened is there's, I feel like there's season-long narrative seeping into the DFS community there a little bit. Crowder was a mid-round receiver this year. You know, everyone was excited. No Garcon, no Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, there was Terrell Pryor hype, but Crowder was like a shoe-in. Like, he was going sixth or seventh round in every draft that I was doing. And then he starts off poorly, and then he gets hurt. So there's just this total negative energy around him. And then he comes back, and he has been balling out because that's the type of player he is. He's, he, he's an excellent player. And you're never going to see him this cheap when he's healthy and effective. So yeah, great opportunity to get Crowder on your roster this weekend, even if you don't pair him with cousins. Uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to say that if you are playing 
any of the island game slates, if you're playing the Thursday slate, I absolutely love Pittsburgh tonight. I think the public perception on this team after nearly losing outright as 10-point road favorites is as bad as it can get. Uh, And I think rightfully so. I think they played horrifyingly bad. But I've been on the Tennessee, I've been just railing on Tennessee as being a bad team. 24th in pass defense DVOA. Uh, They're just not good. (laughs) And uh, it's an amazing bounce back spot. Short week for that defense. Pittsburgh has to come home. Uh, You can get exposure however you want with these four guys, the big four, the three, the Killer Bees, and then Juju Smith-Schuster. There's no combination that I hate. But I think it's an opportunity for... Um, for you to get on a team that, that might not have no love. The only thing that sucks about it is that, uh, from a theoretical standpoint, I'm not sure people play the Thursday slate without wanting to play Thursday players, which sucks. But if there is ever an opportunity to, to ever get this Pittsburgh offense at low ownership, this could be it in a great spot. So just want to throw that out there. Let's get naked, guys. Mo, are there any standalone quarterbacks you like this week? Well, he's already been mentioned, but I think bottle service could be the spot for that this week. Uh, Cleveland, obviously the vote on D, but they're especially vote on pass D. They can't actually stop the run. Um, so while I do expect Fournette to be pretty popular, you could try a little bit of bottle service. Uh, I'm not really sure who you would stack him with because there's just so many injuries. You can fire something cool, I suppose. But if you're not confident in something cool and you're not confident in these receivers, uh, I think it's fine to just play him by himself. Uh, Alan Hearns is doubtful. Marquise Lee and Mercedes Lewis questionable with injuries. So it's a pretty murky picture right now. Marquise Lee should be benched. <laughs> For the for the way he acted at the end of that game on Sunday, that was amazing. What a, what a fucking clown that guy is! <laughs> I mean, he's correct me if I'm wrong. Not the unprofessed guy. He's been a clown since USC, right? This is kind of a thing that's been known about Marquise Lee is that he's not sure. professional. But that does that make it okay? No, 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 no. I just don't think we should be surprised. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those the number things. one receiver is acting unprofessional. Wow. Well, I'm shocked. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. I, I think that narrative shit. But uh, I, I think in order to get to the height of athleticism, you need to have some sort of diva mentality to you in order to rise above the greatest competition in the world. So I'm okay with it. But Marquise Lee is a, a replacement level player. Get the fuck out of here with being a diva. Uh, DP, any standalone QBs? Uh, yeah, so um, going over to the, the Giants-Chiefs game, I mean, I like Alex Smith. He's the only standalone QB I have just to have some exposure to Alex Smith uh, where he can be successful running the ball if he needs to get out of the pocket and move with his legs and also passing the ball. I think that this is uh, you know, some good exposure to that game in general if you uh, do a little game stack with uh, – Somebody I'll talk about later in the tight end section, um, Travis Kelsey, and then also uh, just Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard as well. What you got, Minotti? Any standalone QBs? Yeah, Tom Brady's fine naked if you want to eat the chalk. Uh, I'm with Mo. There's not he a lot. He is fine naked. Very fine. Thank you. I needed what, someone what to do that. 
Uh, I'm with Mo. I, there's not a lot I like this week outside of Fitz and Derek Carr. I'll have some Eli, but I prefer him in a stack with Shepard or Ingram or both. Uh, if you're playing the Thursday through Monday slate, get some Marcus Mariota. He is way too cheap at 5,600. That's a joke. And they're going to be in negative game script. Uh, I like Mariota a lot if you're playing tonight. Uh, and the best thing to do this week with Blaine Gabbert is not play Blaine Gabbert. Don't do that. What are you guys doing? Shut up, man. You're an idiot. Have you seen this Texans defense? Have you seen Blaine Gabbert? Yeah, I almost streamed him in a season long, but then uh, like Brett, I came to my senses and looked at the name Blaine Gabbert. You realize how bad this Arizona offensive line is, right? I mean, we'll get into that with my defense section, so fuck it. Extra, Extra rest for Arizona. Blaine Gabbert could take a Rip Van Winkle rest, and he still wouldn't be playable. <laughs> All right, let's move on to running backs. Bert Minotti, lead us off. Who you got at the RB position? There are two running backs at exactly 4,000 that are just way underpriced, and I think both could go overlooked this week. Uh, the first is Joe Mixon at Denver. I don't really care who Mixon is playing. At 4,000 with his talent, that is a huge bargain. He's getting between 10 and 15 touches every game. Uh, he's getting the goal line touches. He scored each of the last two games. And even though Denver is the number one rush defense in the league this season, there's no reason for Mixon's salary to be slashed by 20% over one week. This is a great buy in GPPs. Nobody's going to play Joe Mixon. He was 3% in the Millie Maker last week against the Titans. He's certainly not going to reach that this week. He could go. He could be like 1% against Denver this week. So I love Joe Mixon as a starting running back. Uh, and then Latavius Murray, also 4,000, continues to get touches in Minnesota. I like him on FanDuel better because he doesn't get any of the work in the passing game, but I still think he's fine with the usage he gets in the offense right now. He's got 15-plus touches each of the past four weeks. He's on the field in running situations inside the five-yard line. Is he a good running back? No, but I think people recognize that, and that drives down his ownership. And against this Rams defense that's uh, in the middle of the pack against the run, according to DVOA, I like Murray quite a bit this week. The Vikes are favored by three, and if that script holds, uh, Latavius Murray could be in line for another nice game. So I'm paying down at running back this week. I think there's great value here on DraftKings. I was going to wait until the the main sections passed to see what players were selected from that Rams-Vikings game because I wanted to just ask an overall question to the group. And I guess I'll start with you, Brett. I feel like this game is a fade in many ways, unless you're getting tricky. And I think that Latavius Murray play is a way to get around it because this is the marquee game of the week. These are two of the most public teams in the NFL. Beyond Murray, are there going to be many Rams or Vikings that you see yourself playing on Sunday? No, I think Murray might be it, actually. I I hate Case Keenum this week. There's there's a concern that... Tomlin just goes away from Case Keenum mid-game. That that's why I'm not I'm nervous to stream him in in fantasy this week because I'm just afraid that they do turn to Bridgewater for whatever reason. They, that uh, the so, Jake Laser report yesterday that uh, and and you put Tomlin somehow as the coach of the Vikings. Sorry, is, sorry, not that's, Tomlin. That's scary. That's a scary thought. Could any Zimmer thing be further from Zimmer? I than know. Tomlin? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how that popped into my head. There. Uh. In, in appearance, in style, in approach, in coaching. Uh, but yeah, the Jake Laser report that if Case Keenum comes out and performs poorly, 
even as early in the first quarter, that Teddy Bridgewater could get into the game. The people in the building want Teddy Bridgewater under center, which is, man, that's that's a tricky one because Case, coming off of his best game of the season, has played... What is wrong with people? Uh, have, are, have they not won five games in a row or something like that? Like, why yeah, do you need to change? Is, why do you need to freak out and change the fucking quarterback? Well, I don't this think I don't, I don't think it's freaking out. I think they've. What been, do you mean it's freaking out? When's the last time Teddy Bridgewater played football? Well, Three years ago. But they've they've watched him in that building throw footballs for four or five years now, so they know the guy and they know what he's capable of and how healthy he is. So nobody's in a better position to make that decision than those individuals. I don't, Mike Tomlin. I don't then Mike Tomlin. I don't believe in momentum. I don't think that's a thing. Uh, so if Teddy Bridgewater is going to go out and play better than Case Keenum, then that's fine. I don't think that Brett misspoke because this is a Mike Tomlin esque maneuver. <laughs> it's like this, Mike Tomlin would would bench his quarterback after one bad quarter. Like that that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It, it's it's not that they're going to freak out. It's that they have they've already made their decision that. And Zimmer even said it in a press conference, I believe, that Teddy Bridgewater will play football this season. They're just waiting for the right time to make the PR move, as it were, to make the switch and put Teddy Bridgewater in. Case Keenum will not play every snap for the rest of the season. That's just not a thing that's going to happen. They've made that clear. It's just when. When when do they reach the line of demarcation? Uh, DP, Mo, we'll start with you first, DP. Any d- Vikings Rams? Do you think this is a, a fade game? Do you think this game's going to be way too chalky? Uh, yes, I think it will be. Uh, I do have one play that we'll talk about later on from this game, but overall, I'm kind of just staying away from it. I think it's going to be very heavily weighed upon. But the play that I will talk about later is hopefully a pivot away from where a lot of other people will go. What about you, Mo? Vikes Rams too chalky, right? Is this the marquee game? Oh, is yeah. anybody besides football nerds like us excited for Lions uh, or uh, Vikings Rams? Every fantasy show I've listened to, even uh, a mainstream ESPN show I listen to, have made it clear that this is, I mean, Simmons and uh, uh, Cousin Sal, who we joke about being square. This was the game that everybody circled for Sunday. Huh. I guess that's a little surprising. But, uh, yeah, I didn't really see anything I loved in this one to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, I'm fine staying away from it, I guess. Uh, let's get back to the running backs. Then DP, who you got at RB? I'm sticking in the same price range as Brett talked about, around $4,000, a little bit above it. Uh, Isaiah Crowell, I think Jacksonville, they just remain bad against the run. And if Cleveland has any hope of even remotely staying in that game, I think that they're going to have to try and control uh, the tempo um, in their own stadium. And I think that what Crowell brings to the table at 4,100 is it's just a great price point for him to, to reach value there. Um, also in that same price point, I like Theo Riddick and or Amir Abdullah, 4,100 for Riddick, uh, 4,200 for Abdullah. I'm going to be sprinkling them in, in a lot of lineups. Uh, top of the show, Brett hit upon it uh, briefly. Rex Burke had 3,600. I don't understand that price point. I understand that, you know, you're fighting the old New England running back by committee guessing game. You don't know who's going to get the ball. But, you know, Rex Burkhead, I believe he ran the ball last week 10 times, um, which is a lot more than expected. Uh, And he looks fine doing it. Um, And then obviously we know how good he is and how much utilized he is in the passing game. So if he can get 15 to 20 touches, that should be enough for him to hit value. Uh, and then I also like Kenyon Drake this week, uh, 4,800. He's coming off two 17-point performances on DraftKings, uh, both you know since the departure of Jay Ajahi. 
I think that he's a solid option this week, um, you know, against the Tampa Bay defense that I don't think is that good. And then I wanted to ask you guys what you thought about Austin Eckler. Brett, I'll let you go first since you're the sharp one. Lead us off. Austin Eckler, undrafted kid. He sneakily has just snuck in to the running back situation in Los Angeles for the Chargers and then really had a breakout on Sunday in Jacksonville. What do you think about Eckler? I think you'd be crazy to even consider him in fantasy. I think last week was a product of the matchup and just getting in, just getting anybody in open space against that defense. I don't think we're going to see anything close to what he did last week. There it is. I, I'm I'm more interested in something like season long. If you have a bench spot that you can just get rid of, uh, waivers have passed now, so Eckler's probably been selected in every league given his performance. That's just how season long goes. Someone has a big performance and everybody runs to the wire and blows fab and goes wild to select him. So I'm okay with him being a bench stash, but yeah, in uh, in DFS, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I have yeah. the, the gall to play him. I mean, look, he has seen an uptick in targets over the past three weeks, but still he only saw 23 snaps last week. I mean, what what kind of production can you expect to get out of a guy who's only in the field 23 plays and not even high usage on the in, in, in those snaps? I mean, Gordon is still the guy getting all the touches, so I don't I don't understand the love for Eckler at all. Mo, who you got at running back, kiddo? You don't want my opinion on Eckler, something Eckler? Well, I was, I was kind of shifting it over to you. Maybe you would take him, maybe. Don't ever click on something equal the week after he scores two touchdowns. <laughs> I have nothing to add other than what Brett said. There you go. Um, what the hell is this Rex Burkhead price, man? 3600 He's done significant fantasy damage uh, three of the past four weeks. Definitely seems to be asserting himself as possibly the top back in that community. I mean, it's the furthest thing from reliable. It's a Patriots running back. You can absolutely never click on one in cash. But, you know, 3600 I mean, I think you can definitely roll the dice here. He's the cheapest of the three running backs with a pulse over there. If we bury Mike Gillisley, poor guy. And on the other side of the ball, actually see another potential spot for value. It's maybe a little crazier than some of these plays we've rolled out so far. But uh, why can't Marshawn Lynch at 4,300 fall into the end zone a couple of times in a game with a total north of 50 where the Raiders should be scoring multiple touchdowns? Uh, Everyone here is going to be lining up to grab shares of the Raiders' passing offense, rightfully so, versus this putrid Patriots secondary. Um, But... I think Lynch could maybe grab a little bit, a little share of the points here uh, at this ridiculously cheap price, and uh, could be worth a shot in a couple lineups. Yeah, Mar- Marshawn's been a, a weird case. To, my eyes have told me that he looks fine. He's still aggressive. He's still powerful despite his age, and despite taking a year off, and I'm assuming not training every day to play professional football. He's still looked powerful, but then the box score has, has never been impressive. If he hadn't been lucky to fall into the end zone a couple of times, he would be a, a, a dumpster fire. I mean, he's been pretty bad given his ADP and given the expectations in what we believed to be a hyper-efficient Oakland Raiders offense, but 
that price just seems really low in a game where we're expecting a lot of points against a defense that's not been very impressive in New England. So Marshawn is definitely a curious case and somebody who I was looking at as well. Uh, I think my favorite running back this week is uh, is somebody that Brett touched upon and somebody that I, I just feel like it's mandatory for me to click them every week until they break out. And it's, it's Joe Mixon, man. It's just the, the, the kid's good. And the price is not there yet. The performance has not been there yet. But there's there's gonna be a it's gonna be a game. There's there it's gonna happen, where this guy just blow do, blows doors and and has an, an impressive performance uh, in front of the world. Uh, another player I'm interested in again a night slate guy. Apologies to uh, to everybody out there that that doesn't play in these island games. But I'm intrigued. By Alfred Morris, we saw the worst performance possible by the Dallas Cowboys last week, particularly Chaz Green at the left tackle position being an absolute turnstile. But one would hope that they went back to the lab and watched some things and cleaned some things up, and they're going to help the left side of the line. Uh, I still believe the unit is above average and can do just fine. And at 4,500 for a team that... Their entire MO is to get the lead and then try to run the ball. I know they're home dogs. I know everybody's against them, but Alfred Morris at 4,500, I I just think that's way too low for somebody who could have a tremendous opportunity to get a lot of volume. I mean, he had five yards per carry on Sunday, Uh, so I, I, I don't think that he's a bad player. I don't think that offensive line is the worst, Uh, and 4,500 is just way too cheap for me. Receivers, Mo lead us off. Who you got as pa- at the pass catching position this week? Well, Donnie already talked about Sterling Shepard. Um, PPR monster last week, thirteen targets, and he's facing the Chiefs. Who? Well, let's steal a line from Dennis Green. They are who we thought they were. That's him, right? And we let him off the hook. That's we let him off the hook. Oh, that's the same one, right? Yeah, I was just I was just punctuating your. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, the Chiefs are not letting anybody off the hook. They're just letting everyone come right in and pummel away at this putrid secondary, as I expected after the Eric Berry injury. So they are who I thought they were. They're bad, and they've been especially bad against WR ones. 29th in the league in DVOA against top receivers. Sterling Shepard should eat in negative game script here against the Chiefs. And then I think this is a really interesting spot to look at the Raiders. I, I'm curious what you guys think, but I Brett said maybe just go ahead and roll out both Cooper and Crabtree. I think if you are going to pick one, it's going to be Amari Cooper. I could be completely crazy here, but he's $200 more than Crabtree, who I continue to believe is the better football player and has not really shown me anything to make me think I should think otherwise, I guess, all season. I mean, Cooper's had the one super strong game and a solid performance in week one, and that's basically been it. He's basically been dust other than that. So... Crab looks to me 
like obviously the better buy since he's better and cheaper. So I guess that makes Cooper maybe a better play if he's going to be significantly less owned. But I'm not sure if that's going to be the case. Uh, where's Labs at, Brett? And uh, where are you guys at on this one? Uh, it looks like they're both going to be semi-popular. Uh, they've Fantasy Labs has Crabtree at 13 to 16%. And Cooper at like 9 to 12, I think. From a... It, these two players are so interesting because they're in Oakland. the The narrative has been Crabtree dominates in the red zone. Cooper is so inefficient in the red zone that it's perplexing for a guy with his talent ability and the fact that you can't really double him because of Crabtree. It, it's it's been wild to see how inefficient he is in the red zone. But I just feel like, and I understand how valuable touchdowns are, but I feel like. The, if you put that Kansas City game in a capsule where he just goes off for like 40 or 50, like that is the ceiling of Cooper, and Crabtree will never hit that type of ceiling, like that type of dominant performance. So I think I'm always going to agree and shade Cooper just a little bit. Even In addition to that, I think that Crabtree has been wildly more popular than Cooper in GPPs because of his touchdown ability. So I'm on Team Cooper but just slightly. I mean, these guys are 1A and 1B through and through. Yeah, looking at the the ownership of the Millionaire Maker over the season, uh, Cooper was 15% in week one, hasn't been higher than 11% since. So, yeah, I think people have been clicking on Crabtree quite a bit more. DP, receivers, who you got, kiddo? I mean, first of all, I think you guys are overthinking this a little bit too much. It's two good wide receivers against this pitiful Patriots defense, as Brett put it at the beginning of the show. They are pitiful just put Crabtree and Cooper in lineups and watch them just get a ton of points because that's what's going to happen this week. Um, there are my uh, tandem of top two plays, and and you can also pair them with the stack I let off with and a game stack with Brady and Gronk and get a lot of exposure to that game that I think is going to be wildly out of control with offense. Uh, other than that, I like Jeremy Macklin at 4,500. He's easily Flacco's favorite target. Uh, you know, He's the top receiving option in Baltimore. This week he gets to go against a Green Bay pass defense that isn't anything that special at this price point. I think that Macklin, you know, has enough of an upside to be able to hit value, uh, you know, and 15 to 20 points on DraftKings is right in the, the realm of possibilities. And then I talked about it briefly earlier where I want exposure to that Vikings Rams game. And I think it's going to be with Stefan Diggs this week at 6,700. Uh, it's also a bit of a pivot play this week because I think a lot of people are going to be clicking on Adam Thielen with the, you know, last week, not only, but the, the general, the year that he's been having, um, and I think that Diggs is, he hasn't, he's had a couple of weeks where he's been pretty bad in terms of performance uh, in the daily fantasy sports world. Um, and you can really buy low on him this week. And I think that he still is uh, a very, very talented option. Uh, he's only 6,700 this week, whereas Adam Thielen, I believe, is up over uh, 7,000. So give me some Stefan Diggs as well. Bert Minotti. So no, not a full fade. On that Vikings Rams game, I just, I'm telling you guys, I feel like that's going to be the most popular DFS game of the week. I just feel those, like both those wide receivers are going to be super popular. Gurley is going to be through the yeah. roof popular. Yeah, I, <laughs> total fade for me on on that game. Minotti, I'm with you. You're up. Yeah, definitely getting exposure to both Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. Love both, especially Cooper. I think this is just a prime spot for him. 
Uh, Mike Evans is my favorite play of the week. And because I'm playing, I'm paying down at running back. I'm going to have a lot of Mike Evans and staying in that game. I love Devonte Parker at 6,500. Jay Cutler is taking shots with this kid and why not? I mean, he's a tremendous talent, 17 targets the last two weeks and hasn't put up gaudy fantasy numbers because he hasn't found the end zone. I expect that to change this week. Uh, the bucks are not good against the pass. Parker is a matchup nightmare. We saw Robbie Anderson go up and make a play in the end zone last week. I mean, why can't Parker do that once or twice this week? So love me some Devontae Parker. And we already touched on Jamison Crowder. If you need a punt play, especially in cash games, this guy, he's free at 4,300. I don't understand this price. And I'm glad he's finally getting healthy because we've talked about him for years. We love Jamison Crowder. Uh, Mo mentioned it before, 11 targets last week against the Vikes, 13 in his game before that. The usage should continue against the Saints with New Orleans' big favorites at home. Uh, Crowder, he's probably going to see double-digit targets again, and he's got the best matchup of any of the wide receivers for the Skins this week out of the slot. So this price is just criminal. Uh, I might have all of my exposure to Crowder on just about all my lineups. I think if you're going for a game stack in Oakland, New England, I, I, I love Brandon Cooks in this spot for the for a lot of the reasons why I like Cooper, just the big playability. Brady's been unafraid to throw the ball downfield, and Cooks is the only player on the Patriots with a pulse to go down the field and make a play. And I feel like they've either just missed on a couple of those plays or Cooks has been interfered with uh, first game of the season. Gillisley's three-touchdown performance, two of those came on DPIs in or around the end zone on Brandon Cooks. And I, I just feel like he hasn't broken through with that big performance, but with the Raiders secondary being as poor as it is with the field being as bad as it, I'm telling you, there's going to be a play in this game where somebody makes a cut and a corner falls down and it's, it's a massive touchdown. Uh, I think cooks could be somebody who converts on that. And then AJ green, uh, everyone's going to see the matchup. They're going to see Denver. They're going to think Dalton, they're going to see on the road and they're going to be worried, but AJ green has really played well against the Broncos, even when they were at their height. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget. I think it was a Thanksgiving game or just a regular Thursday night game, some island game where A.J. McCarron and A.J. Green just went off on Denver. He's a special, special talent. I think he's fairly matchup proof. And if you're paying up for a receiver, if you're in that range, uh, I think people are going to move away from AJ Green and then pay the extra hundred for Tyree Kill or the extra two hundred for Adam Thielen or even revert down to Tate or Diggs. So AJ Green is just one of the best that I've that I've ever seen do it. Uh and I'm not afraid of the matchup in Denver. Tight end. Donnie already answered the most important question, but I think it's still very uh very apt. We're, we're, it's very important to uh to pose it anyway. Since the beginning of time, man has been faced with one undying question to which the correct answer may lead to a lifetime of riches and eternal glory. Eternal glory. Hola, me llamo Roberto. Yo soy fiesta. Y tú también. Tú eres fiesta. So we know, Donnie, eres fiesta, or es fiesta. Brett, tu eres fiesta. I think he's fine, but I'm probably only firing him in lineups where I have Brady or Carr. Uh, they're just better value plays this week. 
Mo, tu eres fiesta. What Brett said. Uh, <laughs> you, I mean, we have so many pump plays thrown out there that I guess if you fire a few of those, you're going to have so much money that whatever, just you can throw Gronk in there. But uh, for me, I'm probably going to aim not to play him. There's just enough options on the Patriots. And I think he's going to be really, really popular. So going to probably hope somebody else is the one that falls into the end zone for them. Right. How do you guys not pick Gronk in Mexico City? The fucking question is if you're going to have a fiesta. <laughs> Hopefully he drinks fucking all Christ, the guys. Get on, get with the program. Gronk in Mexico City, this is amazing. Well, is, isn't this more... He's going to play with a fucking sombrero on. I was going to say, aren't the odds more likely that he just misses the game because he's... Uh... Uh, quince lagunitas deep. He's just he just does not make the game. No, but he he's the, he's the type of guy where it, like he'll show up drunk and still play great because that's just the, he, how he is. <laughs> he's got alcohol in his veins. When he goes to the side, when he goes to get uh, those IV shots at halftime, when he's dehydrated, the, the, there's no intravenous fluid in there. It's actually just tequila. So this is actually a performance where he's going to thrive. He's going to get the good stuff. Uh, Brett. Give us some tight ends. I'm going back to Ben Watson. Why does DraftKings hate Ben Watson? He's facing the Packers this week. He's coming off a game two weeks ago. I touted him. He had 10 targets. He's still only 2,800 this week. This is insanity. Uh, play him in cash. Play him in GPPs. He is by far the best bargain of the week at tight end. Uh, and if I'm if I'm not paying down for Watson, Hunter Henry at 3,500, coming off a really bad game against the Jags, one catch for seven yards. His price has dropped 1,300 in two weeks. And the matchup here isn't terrible either against Buffalo. Hunter Henry is my guy. I'm all over him where I can get him on the cheap. So I'm going right back. DP, we know you got Gronk. Are you going anywhere else at tight end? Yeah, I got to look at Travis Kelsey. I know he's the most expensive tight end on the board. But the Giants, they've let up a touchdown to a tight end in every single game this season. They've let up 715 yards to tight ends. They've let up 55 receptions to tight ends. I mean, they are as bad as it gets against the tight end position, and Travis Kelsey is as good as it gets on that side of the ball. So I think that you just have to have exposure to Travis Kelsey. And then another play, a little bit of a cheaper play, uh, more in the middle of the pack, Jared Cook, 4,800 along the same lines as the Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree play, just any sort of pass catcher against New England's defense, I think, has the ability to have a really big day. And Jared Cook has been, he's been really good this year. Jared Cook, one of the biggest conundrums in fantasy over the last half decade, I feel like. Everybody just wants him to be so good, he does not perform. And then when everybody lets their guard down, he has a great game. Just an absolute nightmare headache, Jared Cook. Mo. I don't think I can buy him at forty eight hundred. <laughs> Mo, I think that's about the highest his price has ever been. It's it's insane. Mo, who you got to tie in? Well, let me just say I really hope Brett's right about Hunter Henry. Uh, I looked at him. It's it's definitely hard to pull the trigger there, but uh, I really needed in season long <laughs> since I've got a bunch of him following Brett like a fool. Uh, Tyler Croft. He's only 2,900. Uh, it's hard to see how the Bengals move the ball in this game, but one way they could move the ball against Denver is to throw the ball to Croft a bunch. Uh, Denver's D, granted, has been slipping the last couple weeks. A couple brutal matchups, 
against the pass, although they mostly did fine against the pass when uh, the special teams didn't completely dig them a hole. Um, and then obviously there was that complete disaster against the Eagles. But uh, there's still one constant has been there. They've just been terrible against tight ends. Uh, the Chiefs have routinely shredded them the last couple of years with Kelsey and Andy Dalton will probably have to throw the ball to for the Bengals to move the rock at all in this game. And we know how tough the Broncos are on the outside. So Tyler Croft, he's so cheap. He might be able to find some PPR goodness in the middle of the field here. Yep. Uh, funnel defense. Another one. Makes sense. Sorry, what were you saying, Rich? No, just agreeing with you. Funnel defense, it, if you're not on AJ Green, I'm fine with a pivot to Tyler Croft because the middle of the field is very soft against Denver. Your second play is whom, sir? Well, I touched on him a little bit earlier, actually. I said, who do you stack Bortles with? And if he suits up, if he's healthy, if he puts some good practices in this week, it could be Mercedes Lewis. Uh, he's also very cheap. He's also 2900 And he is playing the Wote Browns. So he gets up to speed this week and looks good on the injury report heading into the game. I think he's definitely playable at this ridiculously cheap price. Uh, we all know what happens when the Browns face any tight end, basically. Don't even have to be a tight end with a false. And he, uh, hey, he already had a, what, three touchdown game, two touchdown game against the Ravens earlier this year. So it's definitely possible. Found the end zone three times in London. I like Mercedes Lewis as well. He's coming off of games where he's had six and five targets the last two weeks. He has only caught five of those passes, but he's being looked at and someone that is being targeted frequently, plus Brown's tight end defense, that is uh, that is a wonderful thing to, to see. I also love Ben Watson. The Ravens have just shown their hand. They love throwing to the running back and tight end position, so at 2,800, uh, I don't hate that at all. And if you want to punt at the position, C.J. Fedorowicz returned from concussion last week. Immediately got six targets, unfortunately, because he has Tom Savage throwing to him. He only caught two of them for 10 yards. But the volume could be there. And uh, I, <laughs> Tom Savage, security blankets. If you need an absolute punt, C.J. Fedorowicz could be it. But I certainly prefer the other two, Mercedes Lewis and Ben Watson prior to Yeah, well, Will Fuller's out this week too, right? So that could mean some more targets for C.J. There you go. CJ Fedora Goat, Iowa's own. Go Hawkeyes, right, Mo? Absolutely not. <laughs> All right. Defense, special teams. Mo, lead us off. Well, speaking of CJ, this spot is maybe a little too obvious, but man, the cards, 3,200 against, quote, Tom Savage. Definitely a little worried that ownership could be really high here as they are one of the cheaper of what looks like premium plays to me this week. But, man, hopefully there's just enough green matchups at the top of the board, stuff like the Jags against the Browns. Uh, hopefully there's just enough premium matchups at the top of the board to keep this one reasonable because this looks way too obvious. I know the cards aren't great on D, and they don't put a ton of pressure on the quarterback, really. But it's Tom Savage. 
he's not going to have a clue. He's going to be as bad as ever, and 3200 is not the worst price in the world for this. Um, another one, if you want to go even cheaper, I like the Bengals. Uh, this defense is okay. It's definitely not a bad defense. And if you have an okay defense and you're facing the Brocket launcher, you got a good shot. Uh, put some pressure on him. He'll cough up the football. He'll take a sack. He's just really, really, really bad. And this Broncos team, man, could they be packing it in any harder right now? This is a joke. <laughs> DP, who you got a defense special teams? So if I can fit them in, I'm going to fit the Jaguars in. I know they're 4,000, their most expensive team on the board, but they are just destroying all sorts of, you know, analytical measures. I think they've broken PFF. I mean, it's just – it's crazy. They're playing the, the, the worst of all-time Browns. So uh, if I can fit them, I'll have them in there. Uh, I like the Bengals that Mo just touched upon, uh, playing against that, that Denver offense that, you know, I, I don't think is, is good at all. Um, they have the ability to turn the ball over. They – you know, probably won't score a lot of points against the Bengals. So give me some Bengals defense as well. And then I think I'm going to click on the Vikings a little bit. 2,800. I think a lot of people are going to be on the offenses in those two games. So this could be the game where the Vikings defense at home, play really well in that dome, make Jared Goff look like Jared Goff. Berminati, you're up. Well, the Jags and the Chargers are the chalk this week, and rightly so. I'm going to have shares of both. Uh, the Jags will probably be in more than half of my lineups. So even if they are 20% owned on DraftKings, I'm going to be overweight against the field by a pretty healthy margin there. Uh, if I'm paying down, I love the Texans against the Cardinals. I think people eyeing Blaine Gabbert as a fantasy sleeper this week against the Texans are out of their mind. According to Pro Football Focus, this is the biggest matchup or the biggest mismatch of the week on the line of scrimmage. The Cardinals are a complete mess on the offensive line. And with Gabbert back there, should be plenty of opportunity for the Texans to make plays with Jadavion Clowney. Uh, give me Houston at 3,100. I think that's a great play. And if I'm paying under 3,000, I don't hate Green Bay against Joe Flacco and this horrible Ravens offense. It was funny. Before the Tyrod news, people were already touting Chargers, and I thought it was horrendous tout because yep. Tyrod does not turn the ball over. I was so confused as to why people were targeting. Sure, they might not give up a lot of points, and Buffaloes might not score a lot, but there's no turnover potential there. And now they all look like geniuses because idiot Nathan Peterman is going to be quarterback. Something Peterson? <laughs> yeah, whatever the guy. I don't know. I don't I don't care what the guy's name is. It is it is Peterman. I think I learned finally what his name was yesterday. Uh he's an idiot. McDermott's an idiot. The staff are idiots and I hope they lose by 40 and get instantly fired. You know uh, what? I kind of do too. I kind of hope they get just walloped this week. It's an embarrassing decision. Uh w- when the line moves like that, when anybody with an analytical pulse reacts like that to news uh, of that sort, I mean, just just honestly, just get fucked, Bill's organization. It's just a horrendous job. Um, so, yeah, I, I love the Chargers now uh, at their price. They're going to be super, super chalky. Um, and you know what? I like the Saints, guys. It, it's Kirk Cousins against the defense with the pulse. I see a lot of mistakes here. Uh, I, I just see another Saints roll show. And I think some of it could be defense-based. The Washington offensive line playing injured. They have no running game whatsoever. 
and I've just seen Cousins make too many mistakes against good defenses. So I like the Saints at 3,500. Yeah, I like that one too. On the road for Cousins, I mean. In the dome. Yeah. And that is the show. Remember, get your super contest picks to us at Gridiron Gamble on Twitter or Gridiron Gamble Podcast at gmail.com. Follow these guys on Twitter at Brett Colson, C-O-L-L-S-O-N. I'm at Rich T. Ryan. We've got Donnie underscore Peters and Mo Nuwara, N-U-W-W-A-R-A-H. Enjoy the... Ooh. I pressed one instead of two. Enjoy the... Got him. Got him. I'll play this one, too, just for the fun. Go! Chargers! Go! How about that? Uh, Enjoy the football tonight. (laughs) Best of luck in your betting ventures. We'll see you tomorrow for the Super Contest Show. Peace. Out. Out.